Tuesday marks one year since J.B. Pritzker was sworn in as governor of Illinois. Since then, the state has raised its minimum wage, legalized marijuana, and passed several other pieces of legislation long sought by Democrats. Pritzker marked the occasion with a series of interviews recorded last week, including one with me, Brian Mackey. The conversation touches on ethics, the fate of clean energy legislation, and the value of red light cameras. But we began with a question about recreational marijuana. Have you consumed any marijuana since legalization on January 1st? (laughs) No, I have not. Have you... uh, ever consume marijuana? Oh, sure. When I was younger, uh, I did, but uh, but it's been a long time. Okay. We know the law limits marijuana to people age 21 and older, but this yeah. would not be the first such product that made its way to underage consumers. What do you tell your own children about using marijuana? Well, I make it clear, number one, to uh, all children, and my own uh, certainly, that uh, number one, it's illegal. Uh, for them to consume cannabis in any fashion whatsoever. Number two, that there are real effects, negative effects, on young people if they do consume. Um, there's interference with uh, the growth of their brains, of uh, you know, of their uh, you know intellectual capability, et cetera. It's important for young people to know what the dangers are for them during those formative years. It's one of the reasons why. Uh, it's important that we have a minimum age of 21 and older for people who are consuming cannabis. Do you have concerns about the sort of normalization of marijuana use, even among adults? Well, I think we all need to step back. You know, when we ask about the, you know, normalizing uh, cannabis consumption, uh, we have to step back and recognize people were already consuming it. Um, masses of people. Uh, They were consuming something that was uh, potentially unsafe, as we saw with the production, illegal production of THC vaping products. Um, They were consuming something they didn't know where it was coming from. Uh, So it was completely unregulated. And the laws around it were being prosecuted in uh, unfair ways uh, in uh, you know, ways that, that the, the negative impact of which uh, we're trying to reverse. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so let's start with the fact that people were already consuming it. A second point I'd make is that, you know, when you're buying an illegal product from an illegal uh, seller, uh, that illegal seller is also selling other illegal uh, drugs. And uh, so I think we are making... Uh, the the um, you know the availability of cannabis is is making it safer for families for for people who are uh, looking to consume uh, because they can go to a regulated dispensary uh, and purchase a well manufactured product that is safe. I want to move to a topic that's been in the news this week, red light cameras. They've come up in multiple federal investigations. The controller said she would stop uh, helping municipalities enforce collection of fines. Is there a safety benefit to those devices, to red light cameras, or are they just an ATM for local governments? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I have I understand from um, many law enforcement and, and public safety officials that they – uh, often believe that they are, in fact, public safety uh, benefits to to having a um, 
uh, red light cameras. Um, and certainly we want people to obey the law and know that there are consequences for not obeying the law. We have too many traffic accidents, uh, and this is a way to help deter traffic accidents. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's, that's what I know from the professionals in the arena. Is the idea that local governments, I mean, the controller herself said that it seems like there are a lot of abuses. These are targeting lower income people. Maybe not targeting is the right word, but lower income people are disproportionately affected by the collections her office was was doing. Is that worrying to you? It is. And in fact, you, you heard me say during my uh, inaugural address or, or uh, during, I should say, during my victory speech, I guess, in November of uh, 2018, that it's very important to me to alleviate the burdens on particularly low-income people of having their livelihood taken away uh, by these kind of low-level uh, fines um, that they're being held responsible for. I think I was referring uh, in part then to uh, parking tickets. Uh, but it certainly is appropriate to point to uh, traffic tickets as another example of that. We don't want people to lose their livelihood. We do want them to follow the law and know that there are consequences to uh, not following the law. But in the end, um, you know, if you're low income and you can't afford to pay one of these tickets, we shouldn't take away your only way of actually getting any income to help pay it off. Um, by virtue of taking away your license or, you know, or restricting uh, other activities that, that would ultimately allow you to, to keep your job, get a job, and so on. I want to move to some legislative issues that I think could be uh, topics of discussion as we, the General Assembly reconvenes later this month. Uh, clean energy legislation has been tied to demands from the electric utility ComEd parent company Exelon, Given the federal investigation, is that green energy initiative dead on account of that, or should it be handled separately? Oh, it is It is very much alive. Getting uh, Illinois to comply, to move forward in, its, uh, in our desire to bring more clean energy, to bring uh, more renewable energy uh, to our state, that's something that I believe very strongly in, and we're going to be working on uh, during this spring session. Um, you know, we also have other major utilities that, that uh, we need to consider. Um, as you know, we produce a lot of uh, nuclear power in the state. Um, we produce a lot of other power, and all of that needs to be taken into consideration as we look to uh, create a more environmentally friendly uh, uh, energy production uh, and as we try to uh, lower costs for people across the state uh, and continue to be one of the most attractive states in terms of energy prices. So um, we have a lot of work to do, but it's the, the work is in, it's going to be in the spring session for sure, but that work is, uh, is very much aimed toward us moving to complying with the Paris Climate Accords and the uh, U.S. Climate Alliance, which I've committed our state to. When you say nuclear energy, that, that means Exelon, and that means the potential of federal investigators listening in on phone calls. I mean, do, do you feel confident you can negotiate on that topic with that company? 
Well, what I know is that you can't do energy legislation that's all-encompassing for the state without considering nuclear energy and other forms of production of energy. So, um, you know, we've got to consider all of that in the negotiations and, you know, who represents them or that interest, um, you know, is yet to be seen. But but important to me that uh, they clean up their act and that, that if, you know, whatever it is that the federal government discovers, that they act quickly so that we can move forward because we've got to address the, uh, you know, the energy needs of our state, and we've got to move toward cleaner energy. Um, you know, the, while the federal government moves away from clean energy, Illinois has got to move the opposite direction to make up for the failures of the Trump administration. Ethics is obviously a topic that's been uh, top of mind in Illinois government for at least several months now, if not several decades. Should legislators' email be subject to open records requests the way it is for people in the executive branch? Um, I, you know, I haven't specifically thought about uh, whether FOIA should apply to legislators, um, if that's your question. I, I, what I will say is that more transparency is better. And that's why, you know, one of the things that I pushed for and got passed in the veto session was a lobbyist disclosures and more transparency there. Uh, you know, we should know who lobbyists represent. We should know who their subcontractors are representing. Uh, we should know what the dollars are that a company is giving to a, a legislator uh, uh, along with what lobbyists are giving money to legislators and know who all of that is representing so that legislators are held accountable for the votes that they make in, you know, the money that they're receiving, uh, you know, in theory, potentially in exchange for those votes. But the people who are charged or being investigated by the federal government are not the, the ones that the sort of big names are legislators themselves, not lobbyists. And I think there are people well, who say that lobbyists are not the problem here as much as legislators. Well, you're overlooking, themselves. if I may say, you're overlooking the topic you brought up earlier, which is Commonwealth Edison, um, one of the major lobbyists in Springfield. Uh, so that, you know, you're certainly it's true that there are individual legislators and we have to address those things, too. You know, there are big questions here about about how to uh, accomplish um, the goal here of rooting out these corrupt legislators uh, more easily. And I think transparency is a big way to do that. Letting the public, letting the, the press uh, do work that will help bring to light some of these problems. Um, it is true that bad people will do bad things. Uh, you know, so we need to stop electing those people to uh, public office. Uh, but let's also recognize that the legislators that have been caught are have been charged with things that are already on the books, the laws that are already on the books. So the question really is, how do we make it easier for us to catch people who are the wrongdoers? I, I'm being given the high sign by Jordan that I that I'm that I've got to go. But uh, one one last question, and it's a it's a softball. Yes. It's uh, is for the people of Illinois. Is it a net positive or a net negative that House Speaker Michael Madigan continues in power? Look, I I am the leader of this state. Uh, I'm the governor of the state, and I set an agenda. And I have gone to the legislature and to the leaders of the legislature with that agenda. Uh, and for the most part, uh, we have passed uh, uh, much of the agenda that I put forward for last year. Um, and so I intend to keep working with whoever is holding those offices going forward. 
Um, I, I believe that it is a positive that I am getting my agenda through. And I, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing the progress that we've made and to bring a greater optimism and success to our state uh, as we did over the last year. Governor J.B. Pritzker marking the one-year anniversary of his inauguration. I'm Brian Mackey.